0: Welcome to Church Online. I am so excited that you have joined us this morning. I'm Pastor Matt. I pray that our worship will be exciting and uplifting. I pray that the ministry of the word will work in your heart and that the Lord will do something special. Thank you again for joining us and enjoy the service. First Corinthians chapter 14 and uh, we're going to jump right in. So Today's message, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a word of prayer, one more word of prayer, because we need it. This is a difficult passage. I keep saying that. I keep saying that this is a difficult passage, but I mean it. Like, this portion of scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 through chapter 14, is misused and misrepresented by many, especially the cults especially people that love to take scripture and twist it and make it into what they need it to be for them and for what is convenient, uh, this is very misrepresented. So we're gonna navigate some pretty turbulent waters this morning. I feel if you listen, I, I have had some folks, I've had I've had some feedback, I'll put it this way, about last week's message and the approach to some of, of the giftings. And I'll say this, most of the feedback that I've gotten uh and I'm not being unkind, please know when I say this, I I mean this with all due respect, most of the feedback that I've gotten uh, has been answered in the message. So it's it's like you're hearing what you want to hear, and then as soon as we get into the topic, here's what happens, you turn me off. And then I'm hearing the feedback about the message, and I'm going, uh, Just go back and look at the notes. Most of your things were addressed or talked through or like when we walked through that text, like I clearly didn't say that, I said this. So uh, those that are struggling with this and I think that it's important, it's vital that we do struggle. Huh? Yeah. Uh, we have to struggle. We have to strive together. We, iron sharpening iron, that's friction. That's, that's a difficult thing. That's a challenge, right? I don't shy away from that challenge. I want you to question. I, really? Yeah, I, I think it's healthy. I want you to talk about your disagreements. I want you to get it out. I just want you to do it in the right way. Uh, and in the right spirit. Um, So uh, I say all that to say, listen to the whole message, to the entire piece that's being put together uh, because many of you, when you hear something, and I understand this, I get this, because of where I come from, it's a trigger. You know what a trigger is? Once the trigger is pulled, what happens? The bullets fly, and then you're left with the carnage. You're left with, with what it's killed, right, and you can't get the bullet back after it's been what? After it's been fired. So don't let this be a trigger where you just go off and spray, stop. In fact, unload the gun, put it down, and listen. Listen to the word of God. These aren't my words. For the most part, I'm being very fair and, and, and very direct with the text. Uh, there's a little bit of methodology in there. And when I say something that I think is the way that it is, I tell you, hey, this is my opinion. Uh, but the rest of it... Uh, It's pretty clear in the text, and and a lot of this, too, it's, it's how you were brought up. It's what your upbringing, what your tradition is, and when you hear something that goes against that tradition, oh, my Lord, don't do it. Shots fired, you know? So let's put the guns down. These are difficult passages of scripture. At the, at the very least, we can all say, you know what? I disagree on that, and that's a tier three, four issue. It doesn't really have anything to do with salvation. It doesn't really have anything to do with the way we minister to people. So it's going to be okay that we disagree on that, and let's move on and focus on the kingdom of God and building God's kingdom. Okay, At the very least, right? but I think we can do better. All right, let's pray one more time. Father, we love you. We ask that you would be and meet with us this morning. We need your Holy Spirit. We need your power. Father, I need your energy. It's been a long week. Uh, Yesterday was a long day. This morning was an early morning. I need you. And Father, I need you to preach and speak through me. Help me not to say the things that I shouldn't, like I said to our dear sister Amy. (laughs) Father, give me your Holy Ghost filter. Father, I I need your presence this morning. I need your power. I need your wisdom. In Jesus' name, and all God's children said... Amen. Uh, thank you, before I jump in here, thank you for all of you that text and called and, and checked in on me. I did, I was in a pretty bad car accident uh, the beginning of the week, and the fact that I'm here and standing here and and not in the hospital and the other car, uh, it is a miracle. It is a miracle. It was my fault, uh, and, and I took full ownership and responsibility for the accident. You know, the Lord teaches us lessons uh, sometimes that are... Uh, they're very, very hard to learn, you know, but I, I was very grateful that he taught it to me and the two little girls that were in the other vehicle walked away uh, and without a scratch. So it was just very, very, a very sobering moment for me. Uh, but nonetheless, um, the Lord was, was gracious. My truck, uh, I believe it's totaled. Uh, so we're, we're navigating through that, and uh, I don't think the other vehicles totaled, but um, I appreciate your prayers as I continue to walk through and navigate this thing, uh, but the biggest lessons that were learned, uh, I need to be present and in the moment, no matter what I have going on, no matter how many uh, spaces and, and things that are going on in our minds, it's hard in 2021 to just be where we are, and not let our minds be other places. Um, so, but anyway, I'm just very thankful, I'm very grateful uh, for the Lord's protection and for the kindness that all of you have showed me through it and, and, and my family as well. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, nothing's slowing down, is it babe? <laughs> I mean, we got a puppy, we got a baby, totaled my truck, par for the course for the Robinsons, right? <laughs> uh, so we, we are experiencing life in the fullest and uh, we're just, we're going for it. We're, we're, we got one shot at this thing. No one will ever accuse us and our household of pulling punches or taking it easy or resting on our laurels. We just don't do that. Uh, we got one shot at this thing and we're going to go hard. And uh, I, I just, I want at the end, when I stand before the Lord uh, and my life is done and our family's life is done, I just want Satan to go like this a little bit. You know what I mean? Like when I'm standing before the Lord and his fate is the bottomless pit and annihilationism because, the, listen, the enemy doesn't win. The Lord, we're operating from a place of victory. If, if you don't know that, some of you look like you don't know that this morning. You're like, Mm-mm. <laughs> don't tell my week. No, I had a pretty rough week and guess what? We still win. No matter what happens this side of heaven, he loses and we win. If you're on the team, the son and daughter of the Most High King, you are winning, right? Uh, anyway, I'll leave it right there. I could, I could segue to my other voice, but I won't. Winning, I'll tell you what, anyway. So the point is, the point is, is we, we are winning. The Lord is so good, he's so gracious. Uh, and anyway, what I was saying before I got sidetracked by my, my comedy side of me, the evil demon that I need to put in its place, I just want, when Satan's standing there and I'm standing there before the Lord, I just I want him to know what I did for the kingdom of God. I want, I want there to be a dent. Think about, think about like the name I said, William Tyndale. Think about how many people have scriptures in their hand because of someone who chose to, gave, to give their life for the cause of Christ. Imagine how the enemy reacts to William Tyndale walking through the room. Imagine how the enemy reacts to Stephen. Imagine how the enemy reacts to these Christians right now that are being hunted. When they leave this life and go on to the next, I can't imagine the glory that they feel and the condemnation that he feels, knowing that he couldn't, he could not detour their path even with their own life. That's powerful. What we have is real, it's substantive, and we know that. Anyway, uh, let's jump in here. Here's here's the title of the message. Reasons to not speak. Reasons to not speak. How many of you need a reason specifically? (laughs) Some of you, I'm gonna give you a few. Man, I've already seen spouses go like this. (laughs) Elbows are flying. This is great. Reasons to not speak. We can all think of reasons to say something, right? We can all think of something that I want. Let me, hold on. I got something to what? Mm -hmm. Sure you do. I've got something to say. Why? Because I've got a reason to say something. Have we ever stopped and considered that maybe there should be some reasons that we don't say anything? I've got, look, if you say something about my mama, I'm going to say something. That's like an intern, that's one that we all, you can't get out of seventh grade without, without that one, right? <laughs> There's like these internal reasons to say things, and when you get to this point where you're a child, and you've hit puberty, and you're a boy, and, and the testosterone starts pumping, mama, you say something about my mama, I'm going to say something to you. You see what I mean, right? That's a reason. Those are what? Fighting? Words. words. I feel like we got a little bit more of that in this crowd. I don't know why. Fighting words, we understand what those words are and there are certain things that now we talk about triggers again. When when things are said, I have to what? Respond. But have we ever considered that possibly scriptures give us a list of reasons to not respond? When I read this this week and I read the passage again and I read it again, I was telling Cody, I was like, I've got it all like up here, but I've got writer's block. (laughs) I'm like, I've listened to so many things. I've put so much information in my head about this chapter and about this portion of verses. I just, honestly, I don't have peace about it yet. And that went on for a long time this week until finally I was like, oh, I see it. And there's three places in this text where there's reasons to keep silent. And I'm like, that's it. Paul's trying to give them reasons to not say something. We spend a lot of time preaching and proclaiming the word of God and, and talking about what to say and how to say it and how to craft the perfect post and how to put it in the certain amount of characters and how to get my point across and, and, I, and I'm gonna, this is gonna be great and they're gonna understand where I'm coming from. I'm gonna say this perfectly. Even Proverbs says, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. We are so hung up on, on sounding amazing. We're so hung up on perfectly articulating our point of view, right? But what about if we spent as much time crafting what we don't say, what our response isn't? Would it be different? I think it would be. What if we had equal opportunity for the moments that we should say nothing at all? (laughs) Every man was like, babe, It's when you don't say anything (laughs) that I love you. How about, we were talking about it one time, it's like that old country song, when you say nothing at all. I'm like, that's every man's favorite country song, you know, the smile on your face lets me know. Anyway, (laughs) when you say nothing at all. That dude needs a slap for writing that song, right? Oh my goodness gracious, I thought it was funny, okay. First Corinthians chapter 14, let's go to verse 26. Let's go to verse 26. And we're gonna read from 26 all the way to 40 because I think you need to feel this whole thing come together. So we'll read verse 26 to verse 40 and take it all in as we begin. What then, brothers and sisters, the context that he's writing this, brothers and sisters here at Corinth, those that are believers, whether you come together, each one has a hymn A teaching, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything is to be done for building up. Did everybody see that? Everything is to be done for building up. That's the key. That's the key to the whole passage right there. And we talked about tongues last week. If you missed last week's message, you've got to go back and listen to it. We addressed the issue head on. Uh, And I think some of you will hear some things that, that might shock you. Everything is to be done, everything. All that we talked about last week, the culmination of everything that has happened in this text thus far, everything is to be done for building up. Look at verse 27. If anyone speaks in a tongue, there are to be only two, or at most three, each in a turn, and let someone interpret. So we're gonna talk about tongues a little bit more, really in the context of worship, and then we're gonna shift, he's gonna shift gears here. So what we're seeing here, if anyone speaks in a tongue, there are to be only two or at most three, each in a turn, and let someone what? Interpret. So in other words, what we talked about last week, this ecstatic language, this thing that's happening, it needs to happen in an orderly fashion, and what is, what is not understood should be what? Interpreted to be understood. It's never to remain in the unknown space, it should be interpreted in this context of two or three or a worship gathering, right? Verse 30, I'm sorry, verse 29. Two or three prophets, I missed, I, I missed a really important one. Go back to verse 28, rather. But if there is no what? Interpreter. That person is to keep what? Silent, Silent in the church and speak to himself and to God. That's the first time I saw it there in the text. If there's no interpreter, they're to what? Keep silent. Say it with me, keep what? Silent. Keep silent, reasons to what? Not talk. They're to keep silent if there is no interpreter and speak to himself and God. Verse 29, two or three prophets should speak. So now we went from tongues, the gift of tongues, to the gift of what? Prophecy. Two or three prophets should speak and the others should what? Evaluate, Evaluate. very important. While you have people talking, you have people that what? Aren't talking. While you got folks that are speaking, there are people who aren't speaking. Folks that are saying, there are folks that are praying. Folks that are saying, there are folks that are thinking, pondering, considering. Where two or three prophets that that speak, the others should evaluate. Look at verse 30. Here's another time. But if something has been revealed to another person sitting there, the first prophet should be what? Silent. Silent. Do you see the theme of what Paul is saying? If there's no interpreter, keep what? Silent. If someone is now prophesying and the person who is listening to the prophecy now has an understanding or a word of what that prophecy is saying, then the person who is prophesying should do what? Be quiet. Stop speaking. Because the point has been reached. The point is an interpretation. Everything is to be done for the what? Building up. Do you see what Paul's doing? This is pretty interesting. So two prophets are speaking, one's evaluating. When the one starts that's speaking, when the evaluation starts to come to fruition, then the one who is speaking needs to be quiet. Look at verse 31. For you can say, all prophesy one by one, so that everyone may learn and everyone may be what? Encouraged. Why? Because verse 26, everything is to be done for the what? The building up. The edifying for the body. You can, you can say, all prophesy one by one so that everyone may learn and everyone may be encouraged. You see, and, and what's so contrary in this passage is that the point of these people, remember, they were obsessed with hearing themselves talk. They loved Apollos' preaching. They were masters at rhetoric. And Paul's like, you're missing the point. It's just as much about being quiet as it is the speaking. Look at verse number 32. And the prophets' spirits are subject to the who? Huh. And the prophets' spirits are subject to the prophets. Look at verse 33. Since God is not a God of disorder but of what? Peace. In other words, God is not gonna give one prophet something that is isolated that does not connect with another prophet. God is not gonna give you an isolated word that stands on its own. The Lord told me what I need to do. What's the Bible say? That doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. The Lord's giving you something for someone else and he's giving someone else something for who? For you. Do you see now how the Lord works? Therefore, we can't have any island. We can't have any self-made man. We can't have a person that just comes up with their own word, with their own prophecy, with their own tongue, with their own interpretation. It has to be given and received by another prophet, by another interpreter. Remember last week, verse number 13, in this same passage says, pray for your own what? Interpretation. What does that mean? It means that there are things that are happening that you're saying and doing that aren't necessarily for you. hmm Some of y'all are thinking really hard. I can see it. Everybody take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. If you don't want to take a deep breath, I'm going to have a drink of coffee anyway. Y'all like, like, my goodness. Look, this is just the word of God, okay? It doesn't bite. It slices. No, I'm kidding. All right, here we go. (laughs) And the prophet's spirit is subject to the other prophets. Some of y'all don't like that. I don't like somebody else telling me what I'm saying or not saying. Mm-hmm. Verse 33, since God is not a God of disorder but of peace. Interesting. Now, here's, here's what I want you to see in the structure here. I think the next portion here, you got that comma leading into verse number 34. I think it's connected personally. I think it's connected with, there's a little bit of matology, not much. There's supporting evidence. But I think this statement connects to verse 34 as in all the churches of the saints, verse 34, the women should be silent in the churches. Now, how I've approached this passage in years gone by is to address that specific issue. But let's just be real here. That's the third time in the text that he's talked about what? Being what? Being silent. This is not an isolated event towards women. This is the third time in this portion of scripture that he has addressed people being silent and this is just the first time that it's a gender specific issue right now, this is what I'm saying this is a difficult passage of scripture keep your thinking caps on some of you are like I'm done with Bible I'm done with church I'm never coming back I know I'm not being silent should the Bible been oppressing women for years I'm done with this no that's not the answer the Bible is not oppressing women hang tight I promise you even though some pastors use that and they take that verse and they put it in their back pocket to pull it out when they need it. Keep silent. Like some kind of whack-a-mole game. It's like, no, she just, she just spoke truth to you and there's people that are interpreting that truth and you're like, no, women, keep silent. I mean, let's be honest. I've been in a church like that. Women weren't even allowed to say amen where I come from. Y'all didn't know that, did you? My sweet little mother had a lot to say, but she didn't say it until she got out in the foyer. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) In the sanctuary, we don't say nothing because we're women. That was how I was brought up. Women didn't speak in the church. Women didn't say amen. At most, it was a hanky. Below the hanky was a head nod, and they were strong head nods. That was some words of affirmation that weren't even me. That's how I grew up. Women didn't speak in church because of that verse right there. What about the other parts? This is the third time that he's been talking about being silent. Let's keep going. Y'all interested yet? Where is he gonna go with this? I don't know yet, we'll see. Lord, please give me a word right now. No, I'm kidding. As, As in all the churches of the saints, I believe that's a reference to the Jews, to the saints. He's talking about those that have been believers for a long time. Remember, this is a church, it's a melting pot, right? You got people from all different walks of life, but the people who were Jews like Paul were converted from a place where Yahweh was the one true God. They just hadn't accepted Jesus yet. They believed in Yahweh. These were the the people, the saints of God then at that time would have been those Jews, would have been Paul, right? He had a a conversion, a radical conversion from being a straight-laced guy, a Judaizer. I believe that's what he's talking about. I, I think he's, talking about his other Jewish brothers and sisters. Why do I believe that? Because in the synagogues during this day and age, guess who didn't speak in the synagogues? Anybody have a guess? Women. He's talking about a specific cultural issue that a certain group of people in this church would have understood. Here's what's happening. You ready for this? The Holy Spirit's falling. Crazy things are happening in this church. And women that are coming from a cultural background where they don't speak in the synagogue are experiencing prophetic words. They're experiencing things happening in their spirit for the first time. And guess what? It's taboo for them to say anything, right? What if a husband never heard his wife speak in church at all, in our context, right? And all of a sudden she stands up and says, I got a word for you. Would that cause a scene? Yes or no? Yeah. Now remember the context of this book. Some of y'all remember, he said, look, you may drink alcohol, you may have tons of money, but don't come in the church house and do it and make other people feel bad about what they don't have. It may be something that's right and that's okay, but it's not right and it's not okay in what? This context, because of the weaker brother or the weaker sister, right? If, if they offered that meat and sacrificed it to idols, you probably shouldn't sit down with your, with your brother and sister who's a Jew and be like, oh my goodness, perfect cut of meat. <laughs> They're probably going to be offended. They're probably going to take issue because that's clearly not kosher. Do you understand what I'm saying? Is it a right or wrong issue for the person that's chowing down on the filet mignon? No, it's not a right or wrong, but it has become a right or wrong issue based on where you're choosing to exercise your Christian freedom. So we have pastors that elevate that out of the text, and they're like, hammer, don't speak into my service. Only men. And what has happened is that's not at all what Paul is saying, right? We're, we're going to put this, just stay with me, we're, we're going to see where this goes, because this is a part of the whole. This is a part of everything that he's been saying up to this point. So, as in all the churches of the saints, the women should be silent in the churches. That's understood. For they are not permitted to speak, but are but, but are to submit themselves as the law also says. There's the other giveaway. What law is he talking about? Mosaic law. Jewish law. You understand what I'm saying? All right, so there's the other giveaway. Watch this, verse 35. If they want to learn something, that's not capturing the whole, the the, the translation's missing a little bit there. If they want to be a part, if they want to contribute in this way, in the ways that Paul has already been talking about, yes, it can be learning. Yes, it can be if they have a question about something in worship. It can be, but I think there's a little bit more there. If they... Want to learn something? Look at the next line. Let them ask their own who? Husbands at home. So this specific command is to who? Huh? Yes, women, but a specific group of women. Can someone help me? Yes, but there's even another category. It says, uh, let them ask their own who? He's talking to married women. What about the single women? He doesn't address it. They're not there. What about Lydia? What about this this letter in general came from a lady who ran a business? He's specifically addressing married women. He's specifically addressing this issue of if they begin to get involved here, that could cause a problem and be a stumbling block for their who? Their husbands. There are certain things that married, even in our American context, there are certain ways that married women will act differently than single women. And everybody knows that. I shouldn't need to explain that. Right? Am I, am I, y'all are like, I act the same way. He ain't going to tell me. Shoot, this don't mean nothing. Nothing. <laughs> I can flirt with who I want to flirt with. I'm being silly, but... Y'all are acting like you don't act different if you're married. Listen, the Sarah Robinson post-marriage is different than the pre-marriage Sarah Robinson. Shoot. I don't know. Never mind. I'll stop right there. I won. That's all I'm saying. I won. I got him. Em. Slayed em. That's right. <laughs> Look, it's a game, man. you got to be kidding me. Shoot. I know, right? No, we're good. We're good like that. Shoot. I'm just saying, like, we know in our society that single women act different than married women. And I don't mean it in a crude sense. I'm just saying, when you're married, you consider things. You think about things. You think, well, I probably shouldn't say that. I probably shouldn't put that off. I probably shouldn't sit there. You consider things from the perspective of your oneness, You're no longer two, but you're one. So if you're one, then you gotta consider the other counterpart and how he would feel and how he would act, and that's what Paul is saying. He's like, look, in your tradition, this new thing called the Holy Spirit of God fallen and prophetic word and tongues, this is gonna be crazy for them. They're gonna be sitting there, I wish I had a chair, they're gonna be sitting there in their seat and they're gonna be like, oh my gosh, if my wife gets a prophetic word, I'm literally gonna die. Do you understand that that's a huge issue for them? And Paul is like, listen, I got a better way. Just hold it there, and when you get home, you guys what? Talk it out. Fair. Now, what if in 2021, it's not as big of an issue? What if we haven't grown up with the same law? What if we haven't grown up with the same perspective? Now, I did grow up with the same perspective for the most part. I did grow up in an independent Baptist church. So from that perspective, this isn't too far off from what makes me feel comfortable. If my wife stood up and started prophesying, I'd be like, I'd have to act like I'm okay with it. I'd be like, yeah, go for it. (laughs) I'd be scared to death, I'd be like, what is happening? Holy Spirit of God just fell on her, woo It would take me for a loop. I'd be like, oh my goodness gracious. But you know what? Some people have grown up in it their whole lives, and they're comfortable sharing this stage, and they're comfortable letting them exercise authority in some of those things. When I saw this for that, and I'm like, this is the third time he's been talking about keeping silent, and then I considered some other passages of scripture, like what I'm about to read to you, I think Paul is saying some other things. I think he's trying to teach us when to not talk. You see, here's a church that are over eager to use every gift in their gift bag. This is a church that they're a bunch of eager beavers. They wanna reach everybody. They wanna tell everybody what God is doing in their life. And Paul is saying, listen, you should probably keep silent in some of these things. You need to develop the muscle of what not to say just as much as you think you need to develop how to preach and how to proclaim and how to share. Sometimes you don't need to share and it's just as important. Okay, I have three things for you today. Are you ready? We've said a lot. Uh, It's 12, but we're doing really good on time. We're going to get out early, actually. My fingers are crossed. (laughs) No, we may. We may get out early. I'm going to give you three helpful things, and I mean this. This is super practical. From a passage that is very like for us maybe hard to wrap our heads around. I hope that we've laid a little bit of groundwork today that you can accept that it's palatable what I'm about to say to you. But there are three vital, important things that will help you not speak when you shouldn't. You ready for it? Here they are. Now remember this. Everything we need is for the what? Everything to be done is for the building up. For everyone to be what? Built up. Listen, the first filter that we see, not the first point, but the filter that we run all of this through is, is this helping somebody? The first filter before anything happens, what I say, what I do, how I act, how I minister, is this helping somebody? Is what I'm doing contributing in any way to anybody else? That's the first thing that Paul qualifies us. don't forget that. Why do you do the things that you do? Let me ask you this. If there, let me say this and then we're gonna get into it with a question. If there is a measure of self-promotion or self-alteration in your service for others, then you should keep silent. If there is a measure of self-promotion, Self-alteration, in other words, I'm doing this so other people see or hear me. You know, some people, they just talk to be heard. Everybody knows somebody like that? If you know someone like that, everybody point to them on the count of three. No, just kidding, <laughs> <laughs> woo, <Skeered. laughs> We all know them. They just love to hear themselves talk. Mm. My goodness. If there's a measure of self-promotion or self-alteration, I'm doing this because it makes me feel what? Makes me feel better, makes me feel good. That's not good. No, that is good, that's, that's the thing. You help other people and you, and you feel better. This is what separates Christianity from just a self-help book. There's a plan. And it literally means if you do this thing, whatever the thing is and nothing comes back in return, and you don't feel better about yourself, your wallet is empty, and there's no one there to put anything else in it, you just, you just did it because the Holy Spirit did it, that's okay. It doesn't have to come back around to you. It literally can be solely for what? Someone else. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm just, next week, I'm just going to preach a Joel Osteen message, and hopefully the house will be filled. This is rough stuff, man. It's rough stuff. I was kidding, by the way, (laughs) sorry. this This is the real deal, the rubber's about to meet the road. Okay, here we go. Point number one, when should I be silent? Everybody say it with me. When should I be silent? This is not the time to be silent. Say it with me, ready? When should I be silent? This is when. When what I am saying does not help someone else. Say it with me when should I be silent? Say it with me. When should I be silent when what I am saying does not help someone else? So simple, isn't it? It's so simple, but it's so true. Our first instinct I wish I had three mouths right now to say everything that is on my mind. I just, I cannot say it enough. I cannot say it loud enough, even though I'm pretty loud right now. I wish I why didn't you give me three mouths, Lord, and two ears? I just want three. I got so much to say. But if what you are saying is not in any way, shape, or form helping somebody else, you should keep silent. And now some of this is just general child rearing. Some of y'all, your mom and dad's never taught you, and I get that. And I say this often, some people's children. <laughs> and you know what I mean, some people's children. Often I come across folks with no couth, and I'm not saying that this area has anything to do with it at all, but some people just weren't taught. You just think that you have the right to say whatever the heck you want to say. The kingdom of God does not operate that way. If what you are saying does not help or edify or build up someone else, you should not say it. Is that Bible? Sure it is. James chapter one, verse 26 says, if anyone thinks he is religious without controlling his tongue, his religion is useless and he deceives himself. That's a pretty powerful verse. Why don't everybody go get your label maker from Staples this afternoon, type that one out, print it, cut it, and put it on your mirror. If you think that you're religious, what does that mean? Good works, I'm such a good person, yes I am. If you think you're religious, but you don't know how to control your yapper, you got nothing, you're lying to yourself. You're literally deceiving, you are being deceptive, you are having a conversation with yourself and yourself is winning in not a good way, not a good way. What is the first point today? of when I should keep my mouth shut. When what I am saying doesn't help nobody. When should I keep silent? When what I am saying is not a help to someone else. You know, here's the other thing too. You know, I think it's just like, (laughs) sorry. I think it's a matter of like value. What makes things more valuable? Does anybody know? We say supply and what? demand. And when the supply gets what? The demand gets what? Some of y'all got a huge supply. I mean, you always got something to say. I got it all right here. And whatever topic it is, you have so much supply. Why doesn't nobody wanna hear what I have to say? Why is the demand so low for for my point of view and what I think about this subject, but I got so much to say? Probably because you have too much supply. Lower the supply. How do I do that? Stop talking. (laughs) Stop talking! If you don't, James said it this way, if you don't know how to control, what does that mean? Controlled access. I limit, that's a hard word when it comes to what I'm saying. I limit what I'm saying. The reason why your kids don't want to hear what you have to say is because you comment on everything. That's why they don't want to hear you. Would you like a chew toy? <laughs> I have a little puppy, I do the same thing with him. Put it in there. Maybe some of y'all need to get like a mouth guard or something to put in there that you can just grind on and everything's okay. <laughs> you think I'm laughing? I'm, I'm being silly, but it's the truth. No one has told you. You have way too much supply. Lower the amount of words. Lower the amount of opinions you hand out. And maybe when it's time and when, it's, when the Lord prompts you and you give an opinion, if you haven't given one in a good solid week and a half, someone would be like, uh, maybe I should think about that. There's a demand for what she says or what he says because he doesn't share often. But when he does, guess what? It's on point. Supply and demand. Point number one, when should I be silent when what I'm saying does not help someone else? Here's point number two. This is just like good. The Bible is so good. Does anybody see how good the Bible is? The Bible would fix every problem you have every problem. It it is the final authority for every matter in in, in faith and practice. Here's point number two. When should I be silent? Say it with me. When should I be silent? I want to hear you ask me when should you be silent. When should I be silent? Say it together. When should I? Ask your neighbor. This is going to be good. When? Yes, I saw it. Yes, I love that. You all should practice this, all you couples practice this tonight, tomorrow, the next day. Uh, Listen, you can pay me later for this free marriage counseling. This is so good, I'm revolutionizing your marriages. When should I be silent? Some of you guys are gonna experience romance that you haven't experienced in months, in months because of this. When should I be silent? Number two, when what I am saying has no root in the biblical text, and is not accepted by any other spiritual person in the body? When should I be silent? When what you are saying has absolutely no biblical root and is not accepted by someone else in the body. Wait a minute, what I have to say has to be accepted? Someone else has to cosign what I'm saying? What I think is spiritual? I've been saved such a long time. I know what the Bible says. Just ask me, I'll tell you. Here's the verse in our, in our text right now today. Look at verse 32 of chapter 14 in 1 Corinthians. And the prophet's spirit are subject to the who? The prophets. Since God is not a God of disorder but of peace. Here's what God is saying. This is so good. I cannot wrap my head around how good this is because it is God's word. God is saying you will, exp- oh. if you would just get this, it's so good you will experience peace if you stop thinking you're right and you start asking others what they think about what you're saying. How did that word hit you? How do you see this in scripture? When you start asking other people in the body if what you are saying is rooted in the text and what they feel about what you're saying, not winning people to your side, but just saying, what do you think about this? The Bible says, I'm a God of peace. I wonder why we don't have peace in 2021. So many people talk about how, I just don't know what God wants me to do. I just don't know what that path looks like. Everybody struggles with it, and this isn't just one person. It's, we all deal with that. Why? Because God has given us each other. God has given us each other to share into each other. With what I'm saying, what I'm thinking, can you confirm this? No, I can't confirm that. Okay, I'm not gonna say that. I'm not gonna do that. God is a God of peace. Instead of rallying your troops, instead of looking to pull people to your side, just ask if they see it. Ask if they understand it. When should I be silent? When no one else does. When should I be silent? When what you're saying isn't rooted in the text. This is a really good one for a new Christian. It's not saying don't ever speak, but it's saying what you're saying, you should be able to have someone else what? Confirm it. And and that, that takes me to this point as well. If you're an older Christian, and you're not in a confirming ministry, you're stuck with what you're saying, and what you're producing, rather than what you're confirming, chances are you're in the wrong role. At some point, you have to step aside and let other people, what? Speak and be the minister in confirming what those words are. That's how the God of peace works. Some of you have so much wisdom and you just need to withhold it a little bit. Let some other people talk. Small groups, let some other people talk and give words of confirmation. Point number two, and the prophet's spirits are subject to the what? To the prophets. Even in the elder room, when we get together once a month and I'm there with the other elders, we talk about stuff. It's like, hey guys, what do you think about this? Hey, what do you think this scripture is? I mean, we do it like 24 seven. We're constantly bouncing things off each other. It's amazing how much more peace I have and tranquility in life, when I'm not looking for affirmation, I'm looking for confirmation. Do you understand the difference? Things not to say, when not to talk. Here's the last one and I'll leave you with this. Point number three, when should I be silent? Say it with me, when should I be silent? One more time, when should I be silent? When I am in a situation that I need the Lord to speak for me. The final one, when should I be silent? when I am in a situation whew, that I need the Lord to speak for me. Let me, let, let me just put my heart into this passage here. You have a lady that's asked to remain what? Silent. You have a culture where a woman is asked to just hold her peace, take it to the house. And in my mind and in my heart I was thinking about that and I was thinking about the move of justice and equality that we've seen in America in a good way. I believe that things are so much more healthy in areas where we allow them to be healthy, where we allow people to be free, where we allow those boundaries to be broken down. How many know women have been mistreated for years? If you don't know that, you're living under a rock. How many know women have been mistreated for years? Three of you? Okay, thank you. you. My goodness, nope. Get in the kitchen make me a sandwich. (laughs) Man, some of y'all. It's 2021. I don't have this, I wouldn't say that I'm egalitarian, but I would say for sure I'm complementarian. For sure the value and the worth is the same. I'm not greater or better than she is. My wife is not a second-class citizen. Just because she was made to be a help meet, that's not what the Lord meant. We are both valued, and have the same worth as a brother and sister in Christ. Amen. There are different roles within the body. And our church has, has chosen the leadership roles based on our context, our culture, and what we feel like fits best. But that doesn't mean we're worth more than you are, or you're more worth less than what we are. Here's the thing, sometimes, you have to understand, we live in a sinful world, do you know that? If we live in a sinful world, then we live in a world with injustice. And if we live in a world of injustice, there are times when we cannot speak, but we have to have the Lord what? Speak for us. And even peering into this text, seeing a woman who is asked to remain silent until she gets home, based on what Paul thought was culturally acceptable during that service and in that worship service, I felt the need to say this this morning. There are times in your life where you feel mistreated, where you feel like you you have to get it off your chest, where you have to say something. And let me explain something to you this morning. It might not be the best thing to say anything. It might not. You're living in a culture that says, speak up. You're living in a culture that says, tell the world. Here's what I'm not saying, I'm not saying condone abuse. I'm not saying don't seek help, that's that's what I'm not saying. But I also know that we all find ourselves in places and positions in life where we feel mistreated. And my point is, is in those times and in those places, know this, that the Lord is not mistreating you. He goes before you. He's speaking louder for you in your silence than you could have ever articulated audibly ever. How do I know that? Because in his kingdom, there's neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek. He's the same Lord overall. Let me give you a few encouraging scriptures to help support this point of view. Also said by Paul in a letter, some of you need to write this down because this will help shape your worldview a little bit better than from the background that you come from. 1 Corinthians 11, verses five through six says this. Every woman who prays, and this is to those that would challenge me on this. To those that would say, no, pastor, I think he's saying all women need to keep silent in the church. Let me challenge you on that. 1 Corinthians 11, five and six, this is from the same book, the same author. You ready? He says, every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head since that is the one and the same as having her head shaved, We already talked about head coverings, but is Paul not saying women can prophesy? Is Paul not saying women can pray out loud in public in that verse, yes or no? All women who pray and prophesy. Is Paul saying it happens? Yeah, it's right there in the text. So is he contradicting himself? No, he's dealing with a different cultural class. Also said by Paul in another letter, I love this verse, Galatians 3.28, there is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, since you all are one in Christ Jesus. If I think that a woman is here and a man is here or here or there, or my race is here or your race is there, that's ungodly. Godly behavior, godly perspective, godly understanding is that the gospel transcends gender, transcends race, transcends economic class. It does not matter to the Lord. In the kingdom of God, we're not going to be talking about race. We're going to be what? One. God is not a respecter of persons. So therefore, if you in your mind have some sort of caste system, then you are the one who needs to repent. And also, from a perspective of Paul, from from the church, why would he say there's no distinction between male or female in the body of Christ? If what he was saying, all women should keep silent in the church, is that consistent? No. Now watch this. This is probably the best illustration. Paul's st- stating this in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 16, verses 11 through 15. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight to Samthrace, the next day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi. Is there a book in the New Testament that is more glamorous than Philippians? The theme of Philippians is rejoicing. Paul's happy. That church in Philippi supported him more financially than any other church. How did, how did Philippi start? How did that church, How did, how is that book even written? Here's how it started. From Philippi, a Roman colony leading in a city district of Macedonia, we stayed in the city for several days. On the Sabbath day, we went outside the city gate by the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and spoke to the women gathered there. A God-fearing woman named Lydia, a dealer of purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, was listening. The Lord opened her heart to respond to what Paul was saying. After she and her household were baptized, she urged us, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house. She persuaded us. Where's that in their sermons where they talk bad about women? The very church that has the theme of rejoicing was founded in a woman's household who had a heck of a business selling purple clothes. She was the one who was bankrolling his operation. A woman. The Lord opened what? Her heart, why? Because she was rich. The Lord worked through her. She received the word that Paul was teaching. Paul said, there is something happening there in Philippi, and it's a prayer group of women. In this day and age, that was countercultural. Here's what I'm saying, church. There's always exceptions. There are single women that are employing a ton of people. You want to tell her something? Paul would have slapped you silly. Shut up. My credit card's in her name. Be quiet. Shh. <laughs> you think I'm making this up? Right we see what we want to see. That's what it is. We hear what we want to hear. Oh, my goodness. Today, if you don't get anything, just get this. There are times that we should not speak. And, and a lot of us have a lot of homework We have a lot of reading, and we have a lot of studying to do before we can speak on things that we think we fully understand. It's just not the case. It's just not. But here's what I do know. I know that we all need each other. And I know that we all need to listen to what? Each other. And I know that Wednesday nights, with what we're doing, is a perfect opportunity for it. Thank you for watching and joining us for Our Church Online. I pray this experience was just what you needed today. If you made a decision for the Lord to follow Christ, or if the Lord did something in your heart that was special today, we would love to hear about it. Post it in the comments. Send us a message, and we'll reach out to you. Have a wonderful week, and God bless.